0: Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I've often asked the question of of people, even, even gun enthusiasts, would you rather live in a country in which everyone has a gun or which no one has a gun? You know, just... Just imagine either, either one of those scenarios. Which one would you prefer if you had to take one or the other? Um, and I think mo- almost all sensible people would say, you know, we need to create a world where there is less of this this kind of violence. And it's uh, it's just such a disturbing thing to me. that. And I think back, Diane, to um, some of the things that um, were part of our consciousness um, not too long ago in, in my youth um, particularly. Um, one was cigarette smoking, and the other was uh, drunk driving, and um, both of those uh, have undergone a very serious, uh, dramatic shift in consciousness in uh, in our in our hearts. Um, it used to be that they used to do, uh, you know, Dean Martin used to be on the, uh, uh, you know, you remember the Dean Martin show, but sure, he with a cocktail on, and a cigarette, right? And he used to talk about driving drunk, you know, and and make jokes about it and think, you know, how funny it was and get laughs from that kind of thing. And it was sort of an accepted part of uh, the uh, the uh, the way that uh, we did uh, the way that we did business uh, back in the 1950s and 60s and and uh, and so on, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Um, and drunk driving was um, was a was a very very serious problem, but we weren't really doing much about it. The police looked the other way. My own stepfather. Um, who, who was an alcoholic and was a drunk and drove uh, under the influence of alcohol virtually every single day because uh, he went to a bar every day and he would come home at night and I would just drive around the block until he was asleep so I didn't have to deal with his outrageousness. But um, uh, he was just doing it and he got stopped a couple of times and the the police knew him and they just said, oh, just Bill, just go on home now and uh, take it easy and so and then uh, the reason that there's such a, a, a shift in, in, in awareness about uh, about drunk driving in our culture today, and, and we really made a cultural shift, um, was because of an organization called MAD, um, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and they literally went to uh, they, they just got tired of watching their children being you know and innocent people being killed by by this this insanity of, of drunk driving. Until it became such a part of our, our inner awareness that uh, you know now I mean it's it's considered a very very serious thing. I was just driving the other day here on Maui and uh, and there was a, a checkpoint at uh, you know and I, I was a little annoying. I didn't want to have to get out of my car and and do do a. a you know, and a sobriety test and so on, but uh, this is just a, a, a normal part of uh, what we accept in our in our world now, and I'm gl- glad and and happy to do that, and uh, so that uh, uh, we can. You know, and we've stopped the carnage in our country. We haven't stopped it, but we've cut it down dramatically. Uh, and and drinking and and now the whole idea of uh, of having a designated driver and or hiring uh, somebody even for proms and things like that. Uh, uh, it's, it's just be, it's just a new way of life. And, uh, the other thing I, I recall so much about my youth is, uh, is, is, cigarette smoking. Cigarette smoking was such a major part of it. Like I started smoking when I was, um, 12, 13, 14 years old. I was carrying around a pack of luckies, uh, in my shirt pocket at the age of 14. I mean, everybody did it. My, most of my brothers did it. My, my, my stepfather did it. My mother lived in a home with four smokers and, uh, I just can't even imagine how she did it, and never even complained. But um, we, <clears throat> we've we've shifted our awareness about that. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that when you made a reservation on an airplane, uh, you have to you had to decide whether you wanted to have a, a smoking seat or a non smoking seat um <clears throat> smoking in restaurants was just a way of life you just when people blow would blow their smoke at you i saw a photograph of uh, of an actress um who just passed away i don't remember her name and they showed her in one of her movies and she was holding a cigarette between her hands uh, between her fingers uh sm- smoking while she was and uh, you hardly ever see that anymore we have stic- stigmatized smoking we now have smoking sections uh, you know, even on Maui, even, even where I live here, you have to go outside, outside of the building, at least 30 feet away, go into a little designated area over there for, for nicotine addicts. And that's the only place that you're allowed to smoke. It's, it's, it's taking place in, in airports and restaurants and so on. <clears throat> and we've shifted our consciousness. And then when I look at, look at some of the statistics, there have been 181 school shootings since Columbine. Yep, 181 since since 1999, yeah, in the last decade, a little over a decade, 181 times somebody has gone into schools and opened fire uh, on, on students. Um, there are, uh, are 32,000 um, uh, stores in the United States where you can uh, buy groceries. It's an interesting statistic. This is, I just saw this the other day. 32,000 places, stores where you can go out and buy groceries in the United States. And there are 162,000 stores where you can buy guns. So for every place that you can buy groceries, there are five stores that sell guns in in our culture, and that includes places like Kmart and Walmart and Kresge's and places like that. But all the places where you can purchase guns, and the estimate is that we have uh, 300 million people and approximately 300 million guns. Not only do we have 300 million guns in our culture, this is just a, a it's like an epidemic. But we have uh, we have these massive weapons of of of, of mass destruction. destruction that the the gun that uh, this Adam uh, Lanza went in and, and shot those uh, those twenty little children. Uh, when you pull the trigger in in five seconds, a hundred bullets would come out in every five seconds. <clears throat> so one, two, three, four, five. There's a hundred bullets to go. And of all of those children that were shot, there wasn't one that had less than three bullets, and, and some of them had as many as 11. Um, so the idea somehow that, and then when I hear the, when I hear the politicians and the people coming on, and, and it's, it's a political thing, there's this organization called the National Rifle Association, and 70% of the members of that organization really believe that there should be serious background checks and that there should be, uh, there should be restrictions on, on assault weapons. They shouldn't be available. They shouldn't be things that people even have in their homes or registered any place. We shouldn't even be manufacturing them. But 70% of their members also agree with that. And yet this organization is uh, so powerful and so evil that they are uh, inf- influencing virtually all of our politicians, Democrats and Republicans, uh, to vote against any legislation that might have something to do with this uh in 2004 the uh, assault and uh on <clears throat> uh, the assault the, the ban on assault weapons was uh, was stopped and every single republican uh, senator voted to uh to end that ban i think the blood of these children is on their hands because this this weapon wouldn't have been available it wouldn't have been for sale it wouldn't have been something that the mother could have gone out and purchased <clears throat> And I think we need to really now begin to make guns the cigarettes and the drunk driving of of, of this culture, where we begin to stigmatize this whole idea of uh, of gun ownership of gun ownership. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and stop referring to the Second Amendment as the it's like that there are no restrictions whatsoever on the Second, Amend- on the Second Amendment statement that, that we have a right to bear arms. Certainly. There's got to be restrictions somewhere. I mean, we can't just allow people to say, "Well, I, you know, I'm I'm going to carry around nerve gas with me because I have a, it's a weapon and I have a right to to have it," or I'm going to carry grenades around with me and uh, and throw one into you know at somebody if they, if they do something that I don't like. Well, something has it to just, change. It it does. I mean, this doesn't right. happen in other countries. In, in the Europe, same day, it doesn't. In the same day, it's a, it's just it's such an irony to this. In the same day that uh, that twenty-two or twenty children here in America were, a, a gunman went crazy in China, or a, a, ma- a madman rather went crazy, and and he had a knife and he went through and he stabbed a dozen children in an elementary school, just like there. Only he used a knife, and not one of the children that was stabbed was was killed. So there's a huge difference between someone going on a rampage with. You know, with a with a knife or or whatever, and then there is with someone who has a weapon in their hands that if they just touch a trigger, a hundred bullets come out uh, to, to kill everyone everyone in sight. And and to see how how absurd it is getting in a in a parking lot. I think it was in Missouri, but I'm not sure. Um, there was a a man in a wheelchair, and he was going into a into a store in, in a mall or something. And uh, a woman was driving through, and she didn't see him. He was down low, and she didn't see him. And she just and she bumped his wheelchair. She just bumped it, uh, didn't knock him over, didn't do anything. Just and she got out of the car to see if he was all right and apologized. And he took out a gun out of his out of his shirt pocket and killed her. This just happened three days ago. These kinds of stories. That every single day in the United States of America, thirty five people are murdered by guns and we hear politicians go on and when they are asked the direct question you know what do you think about this many pe- people being killed what do you think about having these weapons of, of uh you know available they just skirt all around it and don't want to talk and this is not the time to talk about it And this and i'm just so um i'm just so saddened and um hope hoping that uh that these children um whose lives We're taken away from them. Such such precious little people, were taken away by these horrible kinds of weapons and our inability to take to look at a problem and say we've got 35 people a day in the country being murdered, and we say to all all of our legislators, say there's nothing that we can do about this, when of course there's plenty that we can do about this. I just wrote a book not too long ago called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, and it was based on the teachings of a man uh, named Lao Tzu in uh, ancient china 500 years before the birth of christ in 2500 bc and he left the he was in a place called the warring states where there was all of this killing was going on only it wasn't with rifles and killing it was with spears and, and so on. and um and he wrote this this incredible book some call it the wisest book ever written the Tao Te ching it's a book that means the the the, the virtue of living the great way and um and he said humanity is doomed until we can come up with a way to resolve our disputes other than through violence. And if you look at the history of the whole world in the last 2,500 years, it's literally the, the advancing of more and more weapons and, and uh, hatred and, and, and exporting this kind of uh, this kind of violence as a way of resolving our disputes. And we call ourselves spiritual people, and we have these religions and so on, but uh, it's just for uh, like an hour on a Saturday or a Sunday. And then the rest of the time, uh, our hearts are just so filled with all of this hatred and this violence. And the, and, and so now what we do is we raise our children on uh, on video games. With the, you know, when the World Trade Center went down, Diane, and uh, 9-11 in 2001, uh, there were many, many children who watched that, and thought it was a video game, and they were saying when their parents said something to them, they said, "Oh no, don't worry, They'll, it'll go back up again." Uh, you know, it's just it's just a game. You know, they we've become inured to this idea uh, that violence has to be a way of life. Right, just desensitized. Um, so I'm really committing myself to uh, be becoming much more of a, of a spokesman and looking for people. To have the courage. I mean, my goodness, does it take really courage to get out there? Even President Obama, who I love, got got up there and said, we have to take some action, but is still so reluctant to just come out and say, this is the action that we have to take. We have to stop manufacturing these weapons that are designed to kill millions, you know, kill massive numbers of people in seconds. Why do we even invent uh, things like this? Why do we even manufacture it? And, And... I, I used to talk about this in my talks about something as, as evil as napalm. Napalm is the is is the substance that, that if you drop it from an airplane onto a village, it sets everything on fire, including all of the people. It just burns everything underneath it. And in order for napalm to work, there's an entire chain that has to take place. Somebody has to invent it. Somebody has to manufacture it. Somebody has to package it. Somebody has to put it in, in, a, in a container. <clears throat> Somebody has to make the container. Somebody has to drive it to... Uh, an airport somebody has to fly it somebody there's a thousand people involved in this chain of taking something from an idea to a, uh, to an instrument of mass destruction and if at any one of the links along along that chain stops is broken if the person says i won't deliver this if the pilot who's flying says i won't drop this on people i just i won't do this to my fellow human beings if the person who's inventing it says i won't uh, invent something like this we have to take personal responsibility all of us for how much of this kind of thing my nephew tom oh is an engineer a brilliant engineer and he was working for ford motor company many many years ago and he was uh, designing missiles and the uh, you know that were designed to uh you know to be uh delivering nuclear weapons and so on and he heard me give a lecture one time and uh, about what i'm talking about right now and he said do you think that my um my participating in this you know like designing these missiles and so on uh, do you think that i'm contributing to that i said absolutely you are and i said if if everybody who's designing these kinds of things says i won't design something like this i won't use i won't allow myself to be a part of that if the person who is making bullets looks at each one of those bullets and says that's a little 6 year old child you know that's going to and and if we begin to to create an internal kind of consciousness within ourselves and within our hearts that says that what we, we came from love. You know, in the Course in Miracles, there's a wonderful line that says, a mind at war with itself remembers not eternal gentleness. We came from gentleness, eternal gentleness. But when, when we're in conflict with ourselves or with our neighbors or with our friends or with our family or with our, our society, when, when we're in conflict, we are we can't remember what we came from. We can't remember God because God is love. And we all came from that, and no, we all return to that. We need to find a way, within each and every one of our hearts, to begin to stigmatize this idea that that weapons that are designed to kill other people <clears throat> are not a part of our spiritual consciousness. That we're not going to have this any longer. These kinds of things, and we can do with this whole in one generation. We can do what we, we've done with uh, with cigarettes and with uh, with drunk driving, um, and pretty much reduce it down to a a manageable level and then uh and and stigmatize this whole idea that you would have to have a gun where we where we begin to realize that we don't need to be people who go around with carrying things in our homes or in our holsters or in our in our in our and our our, on our our beings that uh, are designed to kill other people To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.